The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And so uh, we, we started a series last week uh, called uh, Settling into Maturity. Settling into Maturity. And we are looking at the book of Ephesians. And uh, last week we looked at uh, uh, Ephesians chapter number 1 uh, from verse 1 to about 14. And uh, really what we are doing is look at it uh, line upon line and, and learning uh, the reason why I call it uh, settling into maturity is because the book of Ephesians is the only book that the Apostle Paul wrote not to address a problem. You know, if you look at the book of Romans, he was addressing uh, legalism uh, as well as the book of Galatians. And uh, if you look at First uh, Timothy, he was addressing false doctrine and uh, leadership things in there, as well as Second Timothy. And uh, if you look at Colossians, he was addressing, you know, philosophies uh, and, and things of that nature that had crept into the church. Uh, New Ageism, it started way back then. And uh, only the book of Ephesians uh, did the Apostle Paul write just to strengthen the believers uh, in their identity in the Lord. Amen. And so we looked at uh, chapter number one uh, last week, and uh, the foundation was the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians uh, look at your positional truth. The first three chapters in the book of Ephesians look at your positional truth. In other words, who you are uh, in your spirit man. And so all the things that we're going to be learning and the things that we learned last week, you are adopted, you are chosen, uh, you are accepted in the beloved, and so on and so forth. Uh, all those things are talking about the way you look in your spirit man. Amen? And we say those, that's what happened in the first uh, three chapters of the book of Ephesians. And the last three chapters of the book of Ephesians uh, focus on how you apply that uh, to your daily living. Amen? Because it's no use uh, being in Christ, seated in heavenly places, uh, but you don't know how to act in the natural. Amen. And so he teaches you who you are, your identity, and he makes a turn uh, at chapter number four, five, and six, and he begins to teach us how to uh, apply our identity seated in heavenly places as a, as a, as a son, 
uh, as a child with parents. Uh, he says we are to honor them. He tells you how to act on your job. He tells you how to act in marriage. He tells you how to act in a church community. And so all of this uh, that we are looking at, our identity in Christ, uh, should be able to flow through us in our day-to-day living. Amen? So that we are both uh, heavenly uh, uh, grounded and also earthly good or earthly relevant. Uh, no need for you to be so heavenly focused that you become uh, earthly useless. In fact, the letter to the church at uh, Thessalonica was written to address that issue. They were so heavenly focused and they were so focused on going to heaven uh, that some of them started, you know, ending in their resignation letters. Amen. Forget that. Forget work. I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come back. And the Apostle Paul had to give them a strict rule. If you go read it, he said, man, if you don't work, don't eat. He said, that's how we're going to do it. If you don't go to work, you're not going to eat. Amen? And so, all spiritual truth must be applied if we are to get the benefit out of it. Can I get an amen? And so, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 1. We're going to continue from where we left off, uh, verse 15. It says, therefore, this is the Apostle Paul writing again. He says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. It's interesting uh, that the Apostle Paul only began to pray after he had heard of their faith in something. Now, this is a great formula to apply in life. Usually, we pray to try and get someone to believe. But the Apostle Paul did it the opposite. He said, after I heard of your faith, then I made mention of you in my prayers. And so what I usually do uh, when someone comes to me to, with a prayer request or whatever, I usually ask them, uh, what are you believing? What scripture are you standing on? And just recently, someone gave me about uh, four or five you know, prayer points that they wanted me to uh, pray with them, join my, my faith with them. In fact, it's a cliche Christian tagline that we use when someone says, would you believe uh, this with me? What they're saying is, I've turned it over to you. I'm going to go eat pop and chakalaka somewhere. So, so, so to make sure that we are both carrying the weight, because that's the prayer of agreement, I always ask, what scripture are we standing on? And so this person replied, and they said, man, on the healing part, I'm standing on that one about by his stripes we are, that one about by his stripes we are healed. And I knew that they were not going to get their healing, because they didn't even know what they were talking about. Amen? Why? Because faith begins where the will of God is known. You have to know what you're standing on if you're going to develop some faith for it. Amen? So it's just interesting that the Apostle Paul prayed after he heard uh, of their faith. What did he pray? Verse 17. That the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And so last week we talked about uh, how you and I have an inheritance because of what Jesus paid for at the cross. And uh, this inheritance uh, really is, is, is like, you know, a, a will. The lawyers here would call it a will, right? If you have a, an estate, uh, you can go to the lawyers and they'll help you draft a will and put the different people in there uh, that you want to inherit 
uh, your staff after you're gone. And so uh, Jesus did that. He had a wheel that was filled with all these good things. The Bible calls them everything that pertains to life and godliness or everything that is consistent with a godly living. Jesus put all of these things in this wheel. And for the wheel, if you go to the book of Hebrews, for the wheel to become active, the person, they call them the testator. The person who's written the wheel, right? Yeah, it's a tongue twister. They have to die first for the wheel to come alive. Otherwise, the wheel is not active. And so Jesus had to die. And when he died, the new covenant came alive. And it is a wheel that belongs to you and I. And the apostle Paul is praying. And this is a powerful prayer. And his prayer is that uh, uh, we may have a spirit of wisdom. In other words, we may know how to grab a hold of this inheritance. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowledge applied. And the second thing he prays is that our, the, the, our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our understanding may be opened so that we may what? We may know, watch this, what, what he calls it, the riches. Someone say the riches. Not, not the poverty. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And so there are riches in this inheritance. Can I get an amen? And, and so what typically happens is that when this uh, person who's written the will uh, dies, uh, the, the, the uh, courts, you know, I'm, I'm putting together like a you know, legal uh, uh, scenario. Your pastor Andrew will correct me afterwards. The courts will uh, uh, call for a date called the reading of the will, right? And then where all the related parties can come and, and someone uh, legal gets to spell out the will and then it's certified. And all of that happened, Jesus, you know, put that wheel into action, into active. And now what we do every Sunday is that when uh, two or more are gathered together, he is here with us as the judge. All I'm responsible for is to get up and read the wheel. So that you know what is available uh, to you and for you. Now, 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 you could go to that reading of the wheel <laughs> and decide to take a nap halfway through the reading of the wheel. And then you miss the part where they say, Tafara Butai estate of 25 million rand mm, mm, mm. is coming your way. Because after they read the will, it is not their responsibility to get the mortgage papers and bring them now to bring them to your house and say, get an Uber to go through all the, now to deliver. No, 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 no. All they do is read it to you so that you know, and once you know, you can spring into faith so you can grab a hold of what belongs to you. And this is why scripture says, my people perish, not because they don't have a will. The will has been written and it is being pronounced. They perish because they lack what? Knowledge of what's in the will. They can't find their name in the will. And some of them get you know, really distracted by religion. And, and religion tells you, whenever you find something good in the will, it's not yours. Ah, uh, who do you think you are? You, you probably need to fast seven, eight days for you to qualify. for. No, no, no. Jesus already paid for the will. He already made the estate available and he has made it available for you and I. And so the Apostle Paul does not pray that he makes the inheritance available. He prays that our eyes may be open to see what's already been given as an inheritance to us. Can I get an amen? What else is in there? What is the exceeding greatness of his power? 
There is a power uh, that he made available in this inheritance too. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? The word according means in proportionate to or similar to. And so he's saying there is a power given to us in the will. And this power is similar to his mighty working power, which he worked if you need some reference. You know, you know, because for some, most people, it's like, man, I have power. I'm powerful. I'm a powerful Christian. But what kind of power is it? He tells you it's the same power, right? It's the same power which he worked, verse 20, in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That power has been given to the believers as an inheritance. Now, just in case you don't believe that, let's read Romans 8, 11. So you can see what kind of power has been given to you. And again, the book of Ephesians is written from a past tense perspective. Notice he's not saying the power which he's trying to get to you. He's saying the power which he gave to you. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. And so this thing has already happened. God has already given. Now watch what it says in Romans 8, 11. Can I have it in the NLT? So we can, you know, read it in English in the New Living Translation, NLT. Uh, let's read it in uh, Romans 8, 11 in the NLT. Watch what it says. It says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in who? This is the kind of power, the same spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in you, not visits, it abides in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit within you. This is a past tense reality. This is what happened to you when you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Someone shout, I've got the power. It's a song like that. You remember the song? I got the power. Man, Christians should be writing songs like that. If you were really in the spirit, you'd have heard. I've got the power. (laughs) Young people don't know nothing about that. That's the running man. Oh, 1987. Man, I'm telling you, that was awesome. I've got the power. You've got the power. And so quit praying prayers trying to get the power. You already have the power. Amen. It's time to use what you have. And so Christians, you know, it's like God has given us this uh, muscle engine car. And, and it's parked in your garage with all the power that you need. And it's parked in your garage. And what Christians do usually is that they get in the car and, and they sit and they touch the leather. Man, I got the power. Ooh, they look at the speedometer. This thing can go to 280. Ooh. And then they, every often, they'll start the engine and just rev the engine. Vroom, 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 vroom. And you know what they do? They get out of the car and they start dancing. Oh, I've got the bus. And then they change their prayer. Send more power, Lord. No, no, no. That's not the purpose of the power. The power is to be channeled into something so that we can change people's lives. It is not for sure. It is for transformation. Can I get an amen? And so he says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Verse 21. 
uh, uh, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above all principalities, far above all power and might and dominion, and every name that is named. If it's got a name, name, Jesus is seated above it. Amen. Amen. He says he has placed him in heavenly places above all principalities, spiritual wickednesses in, in high places, all powers, all might, or dominion. Every name that is named, watch this now, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And we're going to talk about that uh, next week, the different ages and the kind of age that you and I live in. And now watch verse 22. He keeps, you know, really trying to get us to understand how much power we have and where we are seated spiritually. And he said, and he put all things under his feet, capital letter H, Jesus, and he gave him to be head over all things and to the church, which is his body. Now, if Jesus is the head and the church is the body, and if it's Jesus uh, in fullness seated in heavenly places, guess who else is seated in heavenly places? In him. Because all we are talking about is accomplished when you come into a relationship with him. This is why in the book of Ephesians, you're going to read in whom, in him, with whom, and all of those things are talking about your relationship with the Lord. This is not available for people who are unbelievers. I have a friend who, 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 who walks a thin line and he likes to, you know, try and say this was for all mankind. No. Remember when we read Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 1, it says to the saints, not the ain'ts. <laughs> and so this is an inheritance for God's children. Can I get an amen? Now, I'm not saying God doesn't love the world. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. But it doesn't mean the inheritance belongs to the world. It belongs to the sons. Can I get an amen? Now quickly, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. And it says, and you, you must remember, all of this is connected because when the, the letter was written, it didn't have chapters in it. You know, it was just one letter, and uh, the translators, to help us uh, with easier reference, they put chapter. You know, the, the Apostle Paul didn't write the letter and say chapter 1, chapter 2. You understand? So um, we, it's still the same mindset, and he, he's talking about us now. And he says, you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. When, when you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, spiritually, your state is death. You are dead. Dead man walking. Amen. Verse 2. In which who you once walked according to the course of this world. See, the, the net effect of not being born again is you, you walk according to the principles of the world. He calls it the course of this world. The direction was determined by the world. According to the prince of the power of the air, demonic things, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind were by nature children of wrath just as others but God but God was rich in mercy because of his great love towards us in which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together someone say together together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together someone say together And made us sit together. Someone say together. Sit where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
And so some of you didn't believe it when I read it in the first chapter of the will that you're already seated in heavenly places. He repeats it again. He says you were dead in your trespasses, but while you were dead, he made you come alive together with Christ, and he raised you up together and made you sit. See, sit is a position of authority. In other words, he called you into a place of authority and rest. Man, when, you, when you're doing your work seated, it's different from when you're doing your work out in the, in the, in the trenches, you know, digging trenches. And, and that's, a different, that's a different thing. Grace sits and, 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 and just sits around and works on the computer. And that's what he has called you to do, to sit in heavenly places. And you, you kind of work on the computer, right? The computer it sits, it sits in heavenly places. I'm seated. Someone shout, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ right now. Now, some of you say it with a little hesitation because you know you're seated in four ways. But, but, but none of us had a problem celebrating uh, three weeks ago when the Springbok won the championship. We walked around and, and we said, we, we, we is champions. No, we didn't say, say hey, listen, we, we, we're champions. <laughs> we are champions. And some of you will say, man, we won that thing how many times? And out of all the four, none of the times did you strap the boots. Now, that's right. You won. What you're doing there is you're applying what is called the law of identification. You apply it everywhere else. And so what he is saying in Scripture is, you know, if you read in 1 Corinthians 5.21, it says, for by... Uh, since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Watch this now, verse 22. For as in Adam all die. How many? In other words, when Adam did what he did, it plunged the entire nation of the human race into death. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Just like with uh, New Zealand did what they did, they plunged the entire nation of New Zealand into what? Into defeat. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen. But, but he turned around and he said, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so he's saying, before you got born again, you identified with Tim Adam. And now you identify with Tim Jesus, and because you identify with Tim Jesus, when the principalities and the dominions, they see you, they know they're looking at a winner. The only problem is you might not know it. It happened to me. Many years ago, you know, I was preaching at a church in, uh, in uh, I was with Pastor H. We were preaching at a church in Los Angeles, and uh, because my hair was messed up and I had to get a cap, so we just went uh, and we got some caps and so I was wearing a cap preaching and I didn't realize that you can't wear a New York Giants cap in Los Angeles. So I was wearing a New York Giants cap because I just like the color. So I'm wearing, you can find the pictures. I'm wearing the cap and I'm preaching and then, you know, I mean, they, they were not receiving one. And it's a church of, of, of young students from USCLA and they're not receiving. And then one kid just said, hey, don't, don't wear that cap to church uh, 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 again. And I said, why? He said, because this is Los Angeles. 
I said, I took it off, I looked, I said, oh man, I didn't know it was that serious. So I put it back on, I said, what's the team in Los Angeles? He said, it's the Los Angeles Rams. I said, do they win? He said, ah. I said, so I can't pick them. They said, but you got to pick a football team, they insisted. So I went on Google and uh, I said, which team wins? NFL, you, you know, American football. And uh, so I found out it was the New England Patriots. They win all the time. Tom Brady. I win all the time. So I went and I picked a you know, New England Patriots cap. I, I told them, I said, hey, I have a team. They said, what team? I said, I'm a New England Patriots. Now, they said, that's a cop out. I said, why? He said, because they just win all the time. I said, man, I'm not going to. If I have a chance to pick, why would I pick a loser? It's different from inheriting, you know, football, uh, real football. We're talking about America. Real football, you just inherit a team. My kids, if you ask them after church, what's the best football team? They won't even think about it. They know. You inherit that. You know, you don't, you don't get a cho choice. You don't pick. You know, you inherit that. Now, this, I had, I had a chance to pick. And so I took this cap, and, and I'm wearing the cap. True story. And so I, I'm at the hotel, right, and the lift opened, and I walked in. I walked into this lift, and there was a family in there. And uh, the, the, the one guy, the, the father of the family, I presume, he said to me, man, you win all the time. So I had forgotten. Man, I've, I've forgotten I'm wearing a New England Patriots cap. He said, man, you just win all the time. I said, say what? He said, man, you beat us in 2012, and you won it again in 13 and 14. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And so I turned around. I said, what are you talking about? He said, the New England Patriots. I said, yeah, we beat you. We beat you all the time. I say all of this to say, once you wear the Jesus cap, you're walking around the entire, the entire kingdom of darkness. They look at you and they say, man, you beat us 2,000 years ago. And some of, some of you are like, where did I beat you again? Says 2,000 years ago. He, the enemy has to convince you for you to act on it. No, no, no. You, when Jesus whipped him, guess who else whipped him? This is why it says we were raised together. Can I get an Amen. This is why it says it's no longer me that's living, right? Because Jesus, Christ Jesus lives uh, in me. And he says this, he says, uh, he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The reason why the Apostle Paul keeps bringing up this ages thing, in chapter number 3, he's going to go deeper and we'll look at it in the coming weeks, uh, is because building up to the age that you and I live in, there's been six dispensations, and all of them were different from the dispensation that you and I live in, or the age that you and I live in. You know, it started with the dispensation of innocence with Adam and Eve in the garden, and it went to the dispensation of conscience, when each man determined what was right through their own conscience. It went to the dispensation of human government, you know, the Tower of Babel, where men were trying to, you know, make this thing happen, and we know, all know how, you know, it fell flat in their face. 
It went to the dispensation of promise where God gave the promise to Abraham and he started to show his kindness uh, 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 through that. And then it went into the dispensation of the law, which was given to Moses, right, at Mount Sinai. And then it transitioned with Jesus dying into a time that you and I live in, never seen before. And the Bible calls it in chapter number three of Ephesians, he says this dispensation was hidden in God. He calls it a mystery. He says to which if the uh, princes of darkness knew about this mystery, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why? Because this mystery created, recreated spirits who look exactly like Jesus. And then he had to do one Jesus. Now he has to deal with three billion of us. Who can cast him out just like that one cast him out? Amen. Amen. See, this is why with all the power God has put on the inside of you, when you wake up in the morning and you know who you are, the kingdom of darkness, all of it, starts to get hiccups. There they are. They're up again. Why? Because I'm wearing a winner's cap. And I've been given the authority to enforce that. And we know that after the, the end of this, uh, uh, it's called the grace dispensation. And it's also called the church age, where God is, is working through his church. And the church, really, when two or more come together in his name, we begin to stop the tides of evil from overrunning our communities. That's what the church is. The church is like the moon. It regulates the tides of evil. Without the church... This is why when the church is raptured, you're right, when the church is taken out of here, it says for seven years, evil is going to completely take over and flood the earth. At the moment, evil can't do it. You know why? Because when you and I come together and touch on stuff and agree on stuff and pray stuff and we bind stuff and we lose stuff, things happen. Because he has put his power on the inside of us. But there's a day coming where the church is going to be taken out of here. And all the evil will overrun schools, uh, public places. It's going to be pandemonium. Thank God we won't be here. And it says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so he's saying that all of this was done for you through the grace of God. But I like how he puts it here. <coughs> Excuse me. He says, for by grace, you have been saved. Sozod, Pastor Ash taught about that. Salvation is not just limited to uh, uh, dying and going to heaven. You know, it includes being delivered from destructive things. It includes being healed. It includes being prospered. It includes the peace of God and all the different things that Jesus uh, paid for at the cross. And he says, all of these have been made available by grace through faith. And so the combination is, is by grace through what? And so you have to understand that it's a combination of the two. It's by grace through what? It's not by grace alone, because if it was, then everybody would be saved. It's by grace, grace made it available, but faith responds to what has been made available uh, by grace. Amen. Amen. amen? I said amen. amen. And so, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the body of Christ, really, you can split it into two, right? The grace camp and the faith camp. And really, seldom did you meet, do you meet people who understand that there is a relationship between grace and faith, and it is by grace through faith. Now, if you, if you just uh, a major in one, 
at the expense of the other, it is like a man going to the gym and just doing upper body training. <laughs> just, just, do, just, just do bicep, shoulder, chest. And then you forget Johnny Bravo. You remember the cartoon? <laughs> remember the cartoon? You didn't do forgot leg day, right? And so what it means is you might look buff, but if someone pushes you, you don't have balance. And so what we what we have is we have a lot of people who 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 are gracists, I call them, you know, gracists, and they don't they, they avoid the book of James at all costs. In fact, the, the, there was a major revival, and the man who spearheaded it, the uh, Protestant revival, he wanted the book of James taken out of the Bible because he had learned something about grace in the book of Romans. He didn't understand that the two could coexist. It's by grace through faith. And on the flip side, you could be all faith that it becomes legalism. That you're just focusing on you, and, and in fact, faith people start to say things like, let's move God. They don't realize that the faith has been given not to move God, but to move mountains. Because God is not stuck. God has already moved 2,000 years by grace. You could be out here in the, in the faith camp that you think you, you make things happen. Let's pray for something new to happen. What happened to what God poured out 2,000 years ago? They're trying to get... In fact, when you're, one of the signs uh, that you, you, you don't completely understand... What, see, I told you grace is the past tense of God's word. It's what Jesus already did, and faith is how you respond to it. Now, faith people who have it twisted, they're trying to get God to still do some stuff. They're trying to get him to, do, to, to send a new wine, send a new sum, new, new season. Do you know that the only new thing God is doing is what he started 2,000 years ago called the new covenant? That's all you're going to get. And the Holy Spirit he baptized you with hasn't grown stale. You don't need a new Holy Ghost. You need to fix your thinking. Can I get an Amen. You just need to cooperate with what he has already uh, given you and don't go out looking for something new and I knew you're going to get, uh, except what he has already uh, uh, paid. And so faith becomes how we respond to what Jesus uh, already did for us uh, uh, by grace. Amen? That's, that's what faith is. And faith really is, is uh, grace and faith are like two sides of the same coin. Anybody with a coin? I know we don't carry money anymore. But if anybody has a coin, a five-round coin, I want to I wanna show you something. The coin, Pastor H is, is looking hard. You know, oh, there it is. There it is. We found, is it five? Five. Yeah, I like a five-round. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like in the kingdom of God. God gave us this. And it's grace and faith. It's, it's, it's one coin, right? But it's got two sides to it. Now, when you look at this coin in the natural, it was issued by the South African Reserve Bank, uh, 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 for, for it to be used as money, right? Money with a monetary value to trade for goods and services on the open market to the value of what? Five rand. So if they have chappies, I can go and... Uh, way back, it was if they had bread. Do you understand? If they had bread, that was way back. <laughs> Ooh, good old days. Good old days. <laughs> you know what they do now? They, they give you a salary increase, but they also increase the prices so that you stay, you stay humble. They keep you. They're not... <laughs> They know how to keep you humble. Anyway, so you got to get out of that system and, and work in this system. 
where God is your provider. Because this is always losing value. I mean, way back, you know, I come from Zimbabwe, and <laughs> we had people who owned banks. I had one, one, one son of a major a dude, we owned a big bank there. He, he came, I heard him say this to me in my face. He said, man, we got money like beans. And then, and then I, it was a lot of money. <laughs> and, then, and then the government devalued that sucker overnight. I mean, you needed all of it to buy one loaf of bread. He was valuable to be a millionaire way back in uh, 2001. In 2008, all of us, all of, hey, millionaire, millionaire, millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't have a millionaire anointing conference. He was like, man, <laughs> trillionaire or quintillionaire, people might come. And so you can't put your value on this. Can I get an amen? This is, this is just, this is, but you know. Uh, my example with this is, you know, uh, uh, it's two sides of the same coin. And if you go into the market to buy things uh, before you give it to them, they want to make sure that it's really a five rand. And what they're looking for is, is uh, what's on the other side. I, I don't know what animal this is. And uh, the, the badge of the reserve bank of the country on the other side. And they want to make sure that it's intact before they receive it as legal tender. Now... If you take the, this coin and grind out one side and go into the open market to try and buy goods, they're not going to accept it. Similarly, if a lot of Christians have been walking around with a coin that only has grace on it. It's been defaced. They, 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 they're walking around. They're trying to buy goods. And, and, and they're not, they can't accomplish anything in the kingdom. And they're wondering, why, man, I have all this revelation on grace. How come I can't, I can't, I can't get anything done? And then on the flip side, we have people, we have uh, the faith, the faith side. But here's the good news, is that we were saved by grace through faith, and the coin came with the grace side already imprinted on it. The only missing side is your faith side. When God gave it to us, it's already got the faith side imprinted on it. And when you put your faith to it, when you apply your faith, this is why it says in Hebrews 4, 2, they heard the same message, but because they did not, in other words, they received the same coin, but they did not put their faith to it and it did not profit them anything because their coin was defaced. But we heard the message and we put our faith on it. And guess what? It turned into Prophet, amen. amen. Can I keep this? <laughs> Five round richer. Amen. She didn't know I was taking an offering. <laughs> Let's go to Romans 5 2. We're going to end in Romans 5 2. Romans chapter number 5, uh, verse 2. Romans chapter number 5, uh, verse 2. And so faith is simply this faith is knowing what has been paid for and appropriating yourself to it. That's what faith is. Faith is just responding to what Jesus has already paid for. If Jesus says you are healed, what do you do? You get up and you pick up your bed and walk. Can I get an amen? That's what faith is. Faith is not some mysterious thing that comes up on you, you know, a goosebump feeling. Ooh, man, faith is here. Oh, we're in a faith service. No, no, no. Faith is just acting on what Jesus says. If Jesus says, don't worry, what do you do? You stop worrying and that's faith. Amen. Amen. When Jesus says give, what do you do? You give and that's faith. Amen. When Jesus says by stripes you are healed, what do you do? You walk in that healing and that's faith. 
You don't wait until it comes into your feelings. Jesus has already put the grace. He has already made his grace available. Now it's time for us to appropriate it in our lives. And so it says here, uh, talking about the relationship between grace and faith, it says, through whom, Jesus, also we have access. Someone say access. We have access into something, right? We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. And so this grace is available. It's like a stadium filled with all the things that you need. Again, 2 Peter 1.3, that pertains to life and godliness, which he has given. They are all filled in this storeroom and you gain access into that storeroom by faith. Let me put it another way. Uh, uh, Grace is the ATM of life. And so just like in the natural, you can take your your ATM card, right? Your your bank card and and put it in the ATM and then punch in 3418. No, I shouldn't have told you that one. (laughs) Let me give you another one. (laughs) Let's change that. 2143. Please delete that on the sermon. <laughs> Ooh, that slipped out. <laughs> My kids are not here. Praise the Lord. Ooh. They're always asking me, what's the pin number? <laughs> they want the pin number. My oldest one is like, Dad, so what's the pin number? You know, I always take a shopping and, you know, and I do this. I have to, I have to, I can't believe I have to hide it from them. You know, because she's like, I want to know what's the pin, <laughs> you know. So no, I can't give you the pin. And so, and so, Jesus made it such that you and I can have access into all the things that he has paid for, things that he has died for. He has put them into a place called the grace arena. And you gain passage or access into that grace arena through your faith. F-A-I-T-H. You get to the door and say, what's the passcode? F-A-I-T-H. And then you gain access into that arena and you begin to take advantage of the things that he has already, he has already paid for. And so grace by itself is not going to do much for you. Just like faith that doesn't realize that Jesus has already paid for it, it's not going to do uh, uh, much for you, but it has to be a combination of grace through faith. And next week, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, verse 9 onwards. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, thank you, Jesus. For the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that my spiritual eyes may be enlightened so that I may know what are the riches in this inheritance that has been made available for me. I pray that my spiritual eyes may see the power the exceeding greatness of his power that lives on the inside of me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It now lives on the inside of me and therefore making my mortal body come alive. Every part of my mortal body I subject it and submit it 
to the power of God. Eyes, I subject you and submit you to the power of God. Ears, I submit you to the power of God. Heart, I submit you and subject you to the power of God. Lungs, levers, I subject you and submit you to the power of God. Reproductive systems, I subject you and submit you to the power of God. Thank you, Lord, that my mortal body, every part of it, is quickened by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Someone shout every cell, every organ, every tissue. Every joint, Every joint, I submit, I submit and, subject and subject to the power of God, the, power of God, the, same, power the same power that raised Jesus, that raised Jesus from, the from the dead. It lives on the inside of me. Inside of me. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, you start to know that, uh, uh, it becomes easier to get healed. Amen. You're not trying to get healing from somewhere. You're trying to allow it to flow out of you. It's already in you. He said the same power will quicken, will make alive. He knows your body is mortal. But he says this same power. If this power raised Jesus from the... I think death is the extreme. It raised him from the... I believe it can raise, uh, uh, quicken my eyes. I believe it can make my lung come alive. I believe it can make my muscles respond. Amen. Amen. And you ought to practice this. You ought to practice this in everyday living. Begin to pray for yourself. Lay hands on yourself. Amen. Amen. I went running the other day uh, and my calf muscles just, just snapped. You know, I was feeling good about it. It's just that the enemy tries to disappoint you. I was feeling good about myself. You know, I'm starting to get into uh, a good rhythm. I know my time is going to look good after these six, seven kilometers. I'm, I'm starting to pace up. I'm about, I'm about 15 meters ahead of my wife. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm smoking. I'm smoking. At this point, I'm getting the trophy, you know. And then I had snap. Man, it just breaks my heart. I look back, she's coming like fire. She's coming. I said, calf muscle, be healed. Oh, man, it didn't kick in. I started walking. She went past me. She said, what's wrong? I said, my calf muscle. She said, toughen up, buttercup. I said, I'm trying. She said, I started speaking to her. I started speaking to her. I said, you, you're going you're gonna to respond. You're going to respond. Five, six, seven minutes. I started feeling like healing was kicking in. It took a little long. I mean, for some of you, it's going to be quicker. Seven, six, seven minutes. Ah, no, I think I'm healed. I started jogging, jogging. Oh, before you know it, back. I'm back in my rhythm. But at this point, I've already lost the race. But, you know, at least I'm healed. <laughs> Amen. And so some of you need to learn to start speaking to your body with this revelation. Confess this over yourself until you believe it. The only one that's standing in the way is your mind. So every day, go to that Romans 8, 11 and say, the same spirit that raised Jesus lives in me. And therefore, that same spirit will quicken my mortal body. And then begin to speak over your body. 
We've seen people's eyes uh, be healed. We've seen uh, uh, people's assists just melt and disappear. We've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen people tap into supernatural uh, things of God because for the first time they realize it's not out there. It's already on, in here. And all I have to do is to allow it to begin to flow. The believer is the most powerful thing right here on the earth. He's got the same power that raised Jesus from the... Do you know what it means to be a believer? Amen. You are more powerful than all the politicians of the world put together. Amen. Amen. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. And I believe it's time for us to allow that spirit to flow out of us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for these, your precious children. Who are the beneficiaries of your inheritance? Lord, I thank you, Father, that through knowledge, you'll begin to multiply your grace to them. Lord, I thank you, Father, that through knowledge, they'll begin to experience more and more of your grace. Even as the Apostle Peter prayed, that may grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you're bringing insight, you're bringing revelation. You're opening up their eyes to see what is already available for them. I thank you, Father, that none of these under the sound of my voice will be shortchanged by life. But, Father, that they will find out what already belongs to them. And begin to take advantage of it. I thank you, Father. That worry and fear and anxiety will not rob them of the promises of God. I thank you that ignorance will not rob them of the promises of God. I thank you, Father, that deception and uh, uh, wiles of the devil will not rob them of, of what they have as an inheritance in you. But, Father, that you will begin to bring an understanding or a spirit of wisdom so that they may take advantage of that which you already paid for. I thank you for it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone shout, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, this is who you are. And this may be the most important book you may ever read in the Bible. Ephesians. As you find out who you are and what Jesus already put in you and where you are seated. In heavenly places. In heavenly places. Far above everything, that is a name. If they come to you and they tell you, we think we may know what it is, guess what? I'm seated above it. If you have a name for it, thank God you have a name for it. Even if they say we're going to name it in the future, he says not only, he said, man, I'm seated above things that have a name and things that are yet to be named. I'm sitting above it. That's powerful. If not having money as a name, I'm seated above it. Anything that they can name, I'm seated above it. Amen. If having headaches constantly all the time, they have a name, I'm seated above it. Amen. Everything that has a name, I'm seated above it. Man, and that's a comforting truth. We Amen. hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.